Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now let's meet the American League All-Star Reserves and Coaches. For the Detroit Tigers, outfielder Dimitri Young. And now the National League All-Star Reserves. From the Washington Nationals, infielder Dimitri Young. Here comes Dimitri Young. Joe, you talked about Dimitri earlier, and I, I talked to him yesterday, and I said, who in this clubhouse is happier to be here than you? And he said, my children. Now this year, uh, his motto is, I'm going to make that pitcher get me out. I'm not going to get myself out. Good motto. That ball is belted in the air, deep right center field, way back, way back, and that ball is gone. He's got the flat down. Welcome back in on Hit and Run right here on 670. The Score, the Score's venerable baseball show. And, man, I'm looking forward to talking to Dimitri Young, who joins us right now on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park. I loved watching you hit and play the field. Dimitri Young, it's a pleasure to talk to you. How are you doing this morning? I am do- I'm doing absolutely wonderful. It's 8 in the morning out here, but I've been up since 5 in the morning going to the grocery store and, you know, it's Southern California. The sun's out, and even what's going on in the world right now between the pandemic and the protests, you know, life is good. Man, good for you. I, I would not have pegged Dimitri Young in his mid-40s, waking up at 5 a.m. and being on point and getting things done. Good for you. Uh, are you always an early riser these days? Upon retirement and kids getting older and transitioning into being a coach and things of that nature i'm usually up when i wake up the roosters that wake up the rest of the world (laughs) somebody's got to do it and your time is 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 your own right then you get some good isolation you can do whatever the heck you want to do in those hours Uh, so good on you you know i think i always loved watching you play uh dimitri because i was uh, a big kid 
and I had some girth to me. And then when I would move around, play in different sports, whatever, people would be like, wow, look at him. He's, you're agile, Spiegel. You're all right. You can move a little bit. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not you know, incapacitated. But, man, there was, it, were, you, were you always a little big but able to move the way you did with great hand-eye coordination? Were you one of those, those young athletes who was big but could move as well as, uh, as, as just about anybody else on your team? Well, coming up, I was actually the kid that was in shape and just larger than everybody. I was compared to Bo Jackson in high school, and and it was just more of me being rebellious and things of that nature. Once I got drafted, I come from a military family, moving across the country every three or four years. Father, very, very strict. And so when you leave, and, and this is more of a human thing here. It's like when you leave the nest after, I won't say being sheltered. It's like, all right, you got to see. You ain't going anywhere. I didn't go to Magic Mountain, which is um, like Six Flag Magic Mountains. I didn't yep. get to go till I took my kids because I was supposed to go in high school three on three separate occasions. And due to either a bad game or having a C, I wasn't allowed to go. So I came from that kind of background. Great parents and stuff, but you know how, well, I don't know if you know, but people can relate to when they're being sheltered and they want to get out there into the real world. They're like defiant and stuff. So that's when I started putting on the pounds and stuff and then got my chef in the shape because I was the number four pick overall. They're not, they're not drafting number four picks, <laughs> little bowling balls. So it was like I was in shape and then, you know, I was just defiant, but. I mean, if you look at me now, I'm about 240 and in shape because I'm a type 1 diabetic and didn't find that out until 2006. I, I remember uh, when mm-hmm, I remember when that when that came out and, uh, and 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 all of a sudden some health things in your life had uh, <clears throat> had made some sense. And you, you talked about it. and We're very open about it. And I'm, I'm sure it helped uh, some some people, you know, figure out if they were diabetic and. And, and do some work. Yeah, Dimitri Young, the number four overall pick in 1991, and then um, with, with some of the, the natural kind of life rebound issues after, you know, and after ending up on your own with some freedom. Um, it took you a while to get to the bigs, but in 1996, had a huge year at AAA Louisville, hitting 333, AAA All-Star team, and then you make it to the bigs uh, with, with the St. Louis Cardinals. That's, that, that's, that's a decent amount of time in there to, uh, to, to figure some things out. What, what did you learn? What did you learn in those minor league years that helped you eventually put it together and, and get to the bigs, and you had a very nice long major league career? You know what, it wasn't until 1995. And you know what, I want to comment real quick on the opening theme and all that. The music that you played, Nas, If I Ruled the World, that was my music when I got called up to St. Louis. I I wanted to say that before I forgot about that. That was my theme music when I went up there. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's our producer, Sean Anderson, blowing it out of the park there. Great job, Sean. All right, now. It wasn't until 1995 when we were playing in Wichita with the Arkansas Travelers. That was the double-A team for the St. Louis Cardinals at the time. And played five or six games there. And as we were leaving, me and another guy were um, talking to a couple of um, female companions that we met earlier that trip. And we were saying our goodbyes, but there were five fans that were – 
at the game the entire time, and they were calling me pork chop. But they were also calling two of the other black guys pork chop. But they also get like they was talking about Joe McEwen. They was telling him that he's out past his curfew. But they were getting belligerently drunk, and then their tones started getting a little bit worse as the game progressed. And by the time that game was over, everybody on the team was gone except for me and the one teammate. And as we're walking across the field, they was like. Hey, hey, pork chop, get out of here, get out of here, you effing N-word. Oh, man. And I went, what? And my buddy was like, no, no, let's just get out of here, get out of here. And something just took over my body. It was like I just had to go over there. And I took off my shoes because we were on half turf and half grass field. So I took off the turf, so I went up there, and I said, excuse me, what did you say? And the dude said, F you. So... Dropped him with a left hook, and the rest of his buddies were on top of me, swinging, swinging, hit me in the top of the head. I got a knot in the back of my head to this day because of it. But meanwhile, the guy that I was on top of, I was just, I was just giving him the elbow, smashing his head into the ground. And then the guy that came up with me, he had one of my bats and it hit the biggest dude in the small of the back, and then they kind of separated and. We wound up going to the clubhouse. The police came. We talked to the police. We weren't in the wrong. And come to find out, there were um, five Marines. And I'm 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 a military fam. Uh, come from a military family and stuff. But you know, when when that comes from the Marine, that kind of hurts. You know. And I wound up getting suspended for 20 games. The other guy wound up getting released. And I had to sit in the stands with the team. I couldn't. Like once I could work out with them, but after that I had to sit in the stands and and watch the game. And the hecklers from the other places that we went, you know, they came up and were talking to me, and they were like, "Yeah, we just like giving the players a hard time." You know, once you cross that 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 racial line, you know, that that's a whole nother ball game. And and the people like in Jackson, Mississippi, Shreveport, Louisiana, you know, Little Rock, Arkansas, places that I played in in the Southern League, you know, they had compassion way back when in 95. And from there, I wound up getting sent to AAA after my suspension was over and helped the Louisville Redbirds win the um, American Association Championship. And then the Cardinals sent me down to Mexico. And I was kind of, you know, I wasn't – I was kind of half-assing it, really, to, to tell you the truth. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I got hurt and I missed eight games, I looked in the mirror and was like, is this what you want to do? I was like 20, just turned 21 at the time. This is what you want to do because if this is what you want to do, you really aren't putting anything behind it. You got to get nasty. You got to not care. You got to go out there and play like this is what you want to do. So when I got back out there playing, my average went from 276 to winning the batting title for the Hermosillo, Naja, the Orangemen in the Mexican League with a 356 average. Then I went to spring training, and that's when they changed regimes with bringing in Tony La Russa. And, you know, I was close to making a team. I needed seasoning because I lost, you know, I, I got myself in a real shape and wound up winning the batting title in AAA and then got called up to the big leagues. And that was when I got hungry was back in 95 that I knew I had to do something because I wasn't giving max effort. Man, there's a lot in there from Dimitri Young. We appreciate you talking and, and sharing the, the way you are. 
that's a big moment for a young man to realize, all right, you're going to do this? You're going to do this or not? Like this is, you, you got a chance to have this life or not have this life. You better get going. But you, I mean, to have that kind of, you know, that kind of racism thrown at you while you're a young man like that and to have to deal with that on that level and then you retaliate and you probably get branded as an angry black man at that point. You know, and I'm thinking about your younger brother, Delman, who had some anger, um, some incidents with anger that, that, that are fairly memorable. But I don't know Delman. I don't know him as a person. But no, just getting to know you a little bit. It's like I've been trying to empathize this week um, and these past couple weeks, Dimitri, with what it must be like to live with that kind of rage that's in there, that kind of that kind of racism that's in there. And to be hamstrung by the fact that if you do show the anger, then that's not a good thing either, necessarily. Like you got to show an extra level of restraint, even in the face of an extra level of, of judgment and, and meanness that you're getting from people. That's a really tough place for a young man to be, isn't it? Oh, it's very tough. And the turning point in my life, not baseball life, but real life, was it happened in 2010. And I don't know if you know the name Robbie Tolan. His father, uh, Bobby Tolan, played in the big leagues with the uh, Cardinals and Reds. Mm -hmm. And Robbie Tolan was following in his footsteps. And I've known Robbie since he was like, him and my brother are the same age. They're both 34 and um Met him back in, like, 2000 because um, they live in Houston and, and good friends with the Griffies. And and so he had come in there, and, and then he wound up getting drafted by the Nationals, and we always kept in touch. And I didn't see him for a couple of years, and then we were at the bat dinner. Baseball assistants came up in New York, and he told me the story about what happened with him. And I don't know if you know the story, but um, he was a, a victim of – you know, police brutality. And I, and um, there's a bunch of thefts that was going on where they live outside of um, Houston. And him and his cousin were coming home. This was, um, this was like, new, um, was, um, the night before New Year's Eve, it was 1231 in 2008. And um, they're pulling up at, at his home. And the cops followed him. And... And they was like, get out of the car, get out of the car. And, and Robbie's trying to explain to him that, hey, you know, this is, you know, this is my house right here and this is my car. And they was like, get on the ground, get on the ground. And mm. him and his cousin are on the ground and his parents come out and the neighbors and they're like trying to explain to him that this is, you know, this is his car, this is his house. And, you know, I'm the, their parents. And what happened, they threw Robbie's mom on the ground. Robbie gets up, don't you do that to mom. And then the cops three shots, two of them in the awning of the house and one of them in his right lung. And what happened when the cops punched in the um, license plate numbers, the last number I say ended in five, they put in a six. Hmm. And I just bought into um, a team up in Michigan, um, the Oakland County Cruisers, a defunct team in the Frontier League. And when I saw Robbie... He told me, that, you know, what happened to him, and he still had the bullet in him, and we were just talking, and he was like, man, I just wish I could play baseball again. So I talked to the owner of the team. I said, I said, the deal breaker with me, uh, I got to have that kid on the team. You know, for no other reason but to give him an outlet to be able to play baseball. 
Well, he had a court case with the cops, and the cops wound up being acquitted. Um, and so having that, I had him the very next day. He flew in the in the Detroit, uh, picked him up from the airport, and you're just talking about somebody who was shot for absolutely no reason. And then they got off. So I had to deal with a kid who just got absolutely screwed by the justice system over, let's face it, being black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... I just, I, I just, I just sent out the um, the Wikipedia entry about that incident on my on my Twitter, Dimitri, so so people can educate themselves about it. It's an all too oh, common kind of story that's that's been out there, and people are 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 hearing and realizing has just been incredibly common and and so so sad so so you helped him get it get to play at least just as an outlet to be able to play as an outlet and and i don't know if anybody's familiar with the um with independent ball but that's like the last step before you know you're not playing professional ball and and it's also an outlet for people to play that got released from teams or overlooked and and they'll they'll make moves quick. I mean, this guy's zero for three. Oh man, we're gonna have to get rid of. So the deal was he had to be on the team the entire year as well. Hmm. Yeah, the and Oakland he, the the Oakland County Cruisers, right? Was was that was that the yeah. team at the time? Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, getting getting Robbie, it was like I have to help him rehabilitate. So it wasn't about me. It was about helping that kid. Hmm. And, and how did what happened, but mm-hmm. to be able to move forward. So how did that change your life, Dimitri? You talk about how that, 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 that changed your life. Did it give you a different kind of, of focus and, and intention the rest of your life? Well, I, I always wanted to be a teacher if I wasn't a ball player. And part of being a teacher is being a mentor. And part of being a mentor is using... You know, your what you've been through in your life, how you handled it both good, bad or indifferent, and turn that energy into a positive to help somebody else mature because as an older person you can see what younger people are doing. And if you have any sort of influence on helping them get over a certain hump or just being somebody supportive. Mhm. And, and and those are the things that, you know, you tend to not see when you go through your own things, but when you have somebody dependent on you, and it's like, and we just talked the other day, and he was like, man, you helped me. I was like, dude, you helped me. Hmm. Man, that's powerful stuff from Dimitri Young. A, a lot of people have been in conversations the past couple of weeks Dimitri and end up saying things like, what can I do? You know, a lot of um, a lot of a lot of white friends, a lot of, you know, different different folks trying to figure out what they can do. And, and I don't you know, I don't know what, what's best, but, but I know that I keep coming back to some form of what you're talking about, of helping to to build and educate and and provide for young, strong black men. Like at at the very least, like give give money, give time to help 
people, you know, uh, who are disadvantaged in, in that particular group at least feel strong and feel confident and have what they need to do so they can then help themselves and, and, and feel supported and, and feel loved. It sounds like that's what you're trying to do um, these days. Well, that's that's where it started with Robbie, and then I wound up moving back here to California, and I was doing camps for a couple of years with a few other ball players out here, like Mike Lieberthal, Robert Fick, uh, Royce Clayton, Jeff Weaver, and um, these are guys that I coach with today um, over at Oaks Christian High School. And um, Royce is the head coach, I'm the hidden coach, and Jeff Weaver's the pitching coach. Wow. And let me tell you, fun stuff but um you know i moved back out here to california doing that and then being involved um with the with mlb's um breakthrough series which is um a showcase for young african-american players and they'll have a three three-day workout and they'll have scouts there they play games they'll get their um evaluations and stuff and then we had um, Hank Aaron Invitational, which at first was Elite Development Invitational. I've been doing that every year since existence. I've been doing the Breakthrough Series since 2013 and doing things with Perfect Games, broadcasting um, the Perfect Game 14U All-American Select Festival, doing the RBI World Series. So I'm all around this, the amateur baseball, and, and, I, and I do lessons and – I mean, it's all about, you know, people talk about giving back. It's like you teach what you know. And Mm -hmm. I know that when you can talk to a kid and, you know, you're transparent. You know, you just just open yourself up to them. And and that's the first thing that I build when when I'm working with new students with, with hitting. And, you know, you get the trust and then you build their confidence up and, you know, if they play baseball, that's fine. But if they can take some of the things that they learn, because I'm trying to teach life skills through sports, through baseball, actually. I don't play any other sport. And just just helping them in that manner, you know, helping them build confidence, um, helping them, you know, being able to block out their parents when they're helicoptering on the fence. Like, come on, swing at the ball. Let's go. <laughs> you know, you know, I have to educate the parents, too. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. what do you think you're doing? First of all, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting there on the fence. You see every other parent's in there, but you're up there on the fence. I have to tame some of these parents. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. Yeah. And then I'm like, and I also been to scout school. You know, I, I'm a jack of all trades, but I like being at home, and I like working with the younger kids. But I love when the parents, like, kind of try and get out of hand with the kid. Yeah. It's like, why are you talking to him when he's trying to work? Yeah, no, I, I mean, and the danger that that can bring. I'll I'll tell you a quick story, Dimitri. I was in seventh grade playing tennis, right? And I was playing with these two brothers, uh, Lyle and Eric were their names. And they were good Uh-oh. tennis. Uh-huh. Lyle and Eric Menendez. <laughs> they were good tennis players, right? They were real good tennis players. But their dad used to come and scream at them the entire time, yelling at them, like, what are you doing? And they would win and then cry in the arms of their father after they had won because they hadn't been good enough 
for their father. Oh, so, my goodness. I just put a, a new twist into that right there. <laughs> I, mean, t- I, mean, that's to- I mean, that's totally to the extreme of what we're talking about, the helicopter down. I was like, man, they, yeah. just, they just eliminated that problem. <laughs> That's one way, one way to go about it. I don't recommend that that methodology. Not, but not at all. No, but it, it is it is dangerous. You never know how your kids are going to react when you're doing that. You're not helping them. Is the point. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dimitri, this was really really fun. Thanks for talking, man. Let's do it again sometime. I feel like we just scratched the surface on some stuff, and I, I appreciate you sharing about Robbie Tolan and uh, about about what's going on in, 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 in your head and, and in your heart these days because it's a, it's a moment for people to share and for people to listen, and, and I really appreciate what you brought to the show today. So thank oh, you. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on and, and just, just chatting. Yeah, right? I know. It's healthy. It's healthy. It's one of my favorite things yes, in the world to do. Dimitri Young, we got, i got to listen to your podcast, Wrestling with Sports. You and Jason Kendall and a, a couple other guys. And it's not just wrestling, right? You talked to sports guys about wrestling that they love and talked about talked with wrestlers about other sports that they love, that kind of stuff. Yeah, we do that. But um, lately, we just we um, just been talking baseball. Things that have been going on with baseball, we have Brett Boone on frequently. We're going to have Sean Casey on next week. So if anybody, any of our nine listeners that listen to Wrestling With Sports, we're going to have Sean Casey on next week, my he's former teammate, which I love to death. Yeah, he's the best. He's the, he's the mayor, man. He's, he's yeah. funny. He's thoughtful. He's real. That's, that's good stuff. Well, enjoy it, Dimitri. This was a pleasure. Thanks so much, man. Have a great day, all right? You're very welcome. You have a great day. All right, you got it. That's Dimitri Young. Good job, Sean Anderson. Man. I loved watching that guy, and I, I love him even more now, having gotten a chance to talk to him. It's Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. And uh, when, we, uh, when we come back, we will uh, continue the show. You're going to hear very shortly from uh, a probable first-round draft pick that we have mentioned, maybe for the White Sox, but either way, it's a great story and somebody you may remember from their days in Little League even. You'll hear that soon, coming up on 670 The Score. Later in the inning. Illinois up 6-5, but there's more. Ed Howard grounds the second. One run scores. Illinois goes up 7-5. Robinson West was a great story, and then an awkward story, and then a sad story. In retrospect, intense, right? But man, that was fun to rally around those kids. And to see um, how good they were as a unified baseball team. We're not here to relitigate that story. We're not here to, to bring it up. But we are here to talk about the shortstop on that team, who now is the shortstop at Mount Carmel High School, even though they didn't get a chance to play out their full season. And a graduate. So congratulations to Ed Howard for graduating. And he will be picked this Wednesday night or Thursday, but probably Wednesday. The first 37 picks in the draft will happen He's kind of all over the place in some of the mock drafts, but he may indeed go to the White Sox. I know he's got good relationship with the White Sox, so even if he doesn't, it is something to watch and someone you should know. Someone you should know. I'll do respect to CBS2. That's where that came from, right? Um, yeah, speaks CBS2. Anyway, this is Ed Howard a couple of months ago on Hit and Run, and we talked to him about his favorite player, Tim Anderson. I think it's just the way he um, 
he goes about his business. You know, he's he's always himself. That's what I like the most about him. He's himself. He has fun. He has a lot of confidence. You know, I talked to him um, a few times, and he always just talked to me about, like, my, my mentality as I'm playing a game, you know. Um, just kind of, like, doing doing you, you know, um, staying confident all the time. And um, I don't know. I think that's what I, I just like the most about him, just the way he goes about his business, like, off the field. Yeah. I um I know that when you did meet him, he gave you his phone number. He said he's going to keep tabs on you. What what's that like? Does he keep tabs on you when you guys? And yeah. Is, is, does, yeah. What what's that like? Yeah, I mean, we just talked. I think two days ago, and it, it's just more so just checking up on each other. You know, um, I asked him, you know, how he's doing. He asked me, you know, what's going on, and then he always gives me like a little advice. Just um, just talk to me about you know, um, the situation I got coming up. You know, with the draft and my high school season. And um, he just kind of just gives me insight on his life and how he thinks about things in his mind, you know, because he's playing shortstop in the big leagues. I know that's a pretty stressful job for him. But um, he just tells me how he goes about it, you know, how he can stay confident, how he doesn't worry about, you know, what others got to say about him. It's just kind of going out there and playing and um, doing it for himself, you know. Yeah, and it's it's – and he's 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 got a very full full life, and he's very active in the community, working with youth guidance and the BAM Foundation, the Building a Man, um, and, and, and everything that he does. It's and it it seems like it's having an effect on a lot of people. I I wonder, Ed, um, young men like you, young black men, athletes, don't always choose baseball. Obviously, have you ever talked about that with your friends? Do any of your peers talk to you about about baseball, whether they like it or whether they don't, in conversation? Uh, yeah, it comes up a lot. Most of my most of my friends, you know, are baseball players, because um, that's just kind of who I'm around. But um, I know a lot of kids who who didn't choose to play baseball, who went on to play, you know, like basketball and football and things like that. And honestly, it's just it's really not common for a lot of black kids to play baseball because it's just how things are. But um, I think it's definitely changing. I know a lot of younger kids who who are playing the game at like a young level and really love it. And I know they look up to guys like me. And I look up to guys like Tim Anderson, so it's kind of like a chain of, um, like a chain of, of people leading the way. So it's just I, I feel like it's my duty to to keep um, setting an example for kids younger than me, you know, to keep playing this game. And um, I think it's definitely growing for African Americans. Well, it, it's it's beautiful. I, right now, as you're talking about, I'm remembering guys like Tory Hunter having those conversations, like African American players from a decade ago, from 20 years ago, whatever. And it's it's a thing about kind of paying it forward a little bit. What what do you yeah. think keeps kids? What do you think keeps kids from choosing it, Ed? Is it is it slow to them? Do they think it's slow? I hear that. I, yeah, I I think it's it's because it's slow. You know, it's outdoors. You don't get as much like attention, you know, like like the NBA star, NFL star. You know, you, you kind of play baseball. Um, I, I really don't know, honestly. I just I just think kids don't like it because it, it doesn't get as much attention as like NBA and basketball. And um, yeah. you know, games might not be as packed as basketball games or football games. But at the end of the day, it, it's still a great game. And I think if kids played it more often, they they would like it. What do you like about it? What do you like about baseball, Ed? Um, I, I like um, that it's a challenging sport, honestly. You know, you, it's a lot of failure in baseball. So when you do have success, it just feels so good. You know, it, it, you got to keep working. Um, it's a long process, you know, trying trying to be good and things like that. But um, like I said, just the failure part of it, it just makes the success that much better. Yeah, no, that makes that makes all the sense in the world. Um, the, the connection to the White Sox, for you and for Mount Carmel, I know that, um, that Alec Thomas – 
who played at Mount Carmel, was a second-round pick of the Diamondbacks in 2018. I know that you and Alec played together for a little while. Uh, and his dad, Alan Thomas, the White Sox director of conditioning, he consulted on your training regimen. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, uh, so, so how, uh, like, how much contact have you had, if any, with the White Sox as an organization along the way, other than uh, specific people like that? Um, I've talked to the White Sox a little bit. Um, I went, I, I trained with Tim Anderson once and, uh, there's a, there's a few white Sox guys in there watching. So, um, they, mm-hmm. they've seen me all over the summer. Um, they've known me for, for a long time since I was like a sophomore high school. They've kind of been watching me. So I feel like they've definitely seen me a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can never have enough, uh, good athletic shortstops. People move positions, people bounce around quite a bit. You've, do you, do you, do you dream of them drafting you? I do. I think it'll be a, a great story, you know, if, if the hometown team drafts me. You know, I, I don't know how the draft's going to play out. So um, I'm just kind of standing in the moment, and we'll see what happens in, in June. All right, well, what if what if it's the Cubs? How does that feel? I'm, I'm a Cubs fan, too. You know, um, I like good baseball, and the Cubs were hot for a minute. I think they still can be. So um, I watch them a lot. Um, honestly, either, either one is fine with me. Harry Porterfield, that's who it was over at CBS. Harry Porterfield, someone you should know. Thank you to Harry for that loner of a phrase. Ed Howard, someone you should know. Um, What a good kid. And I look forward to seeing where he goes on Wednesday night in the N, uh, no, the MLB draft. Excuse me. It is Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel, right here with you on 670 The Score. Next hour, Chris Kampka joins us. Bruce Levine joins us. And J.J. Cooper from Baseball America joins us as well. When we come back, volume two of the brand new baseball thing that me and Jason Benetti have started to, uh, to enjoy and giggle with. We'll bring it to you. Good comp, bad comp. Ricky Henderson in focus. You can listen and then vote and tell us who got it right next on Hit and Run. Oh, it's graduation for somebody out there. But that's not why you're hearing Pomp and Circumstance. This version as written, well, not written, but performed by my guy Kurt Morrison and his daughters, the Wisconsin Bashers, if you will, in their garage. You're hearing Pomp and Circumstance because we're going to talk about the comp and circumstance for a ball player of note. Jason Benetti, the White Sox broadcaster, and I have a little bit of time on our hands. We need baseball, and we like talking to each other about sports, baseball, culture, and more. So we started this thing, good comp, bad comp. I will tweet the link in a matter of moments if you've missed it at Matt Spiegel 670. It is a video, and there are some graphics to go along with it. Not just a Zoom meeting. It's a Zoom meeting with graphics to go along with it. And one of us does a good comp, one of us does a bad comp. Or are they both good comps? Are they both bad comps? You get to vote, and I'll tweet out that link to the poll as well. The subject is Ricky Henderson, the greatest leadoff hitter in the history of the game, the man who scored more runs in Major League Baseball than anybody else, the man who played for the Oakland A's four different times, the absolutely brilliant 
and completely magnetic Ricky Henderson. I go second on the comp, and I go to the worlds of funk and pop and soul music. Jason Benetti goes first on good comp, bad comp, and here is his comp for Ricky Henderson. I want to prove this week that we can compare it to a person and win. One of the great athletes of all time, Ricky Henderson, I think is very similar to World Wrestling Entertainment's champion, the Ultimate Warrior. Ricky Henderson, tremendous speed. Ultimate Warrior, boundless speed and energy. Would bang off the ropes, shake the ropes like crazy, the whole bit. Each is a Hall of Famer. 2009 Ricky Henderson, Ultimate Warrior 2014. Ricky Henderson called himself Ricky, very famously. Ultimate Warrior Jim Helwig actually changed his name to Warrior in 1993 because of a trademark issue. Uh, each had careers that sort of span similar time frames, 1979 to 03 for Ricky, 85 to 2008 off and on for Ultimate Warrior. There are all these unconfirmed stories about Ricky Henderson, John Olerud being his teammate and forgetting about John Olerud as his teammate. Uh, Ultimate Warrior was officially listed as from parts unknown and had these apocryphal things he would say in interviews about being the chosen one and things like that. But this is the real big moment. Okay, in 1989, Ricky Henderson in the World Series faced an earthquake. In 1989, same year, the Ultimate Warrior in Wheeling, West Virginia, was doing a push-up contest against Dino Bravo of World Wrestling Entertainment. And they called somebody out of the crowd to sit on top of each competitor to make it more difficult. That man who they called out of the crowd was a plant who eventually was named Earthquake in World Wrestling Entertainment. Each faced an earthquake in 1989. Let's do this, ultimate warrior, Ricky Henderson. It's a strong case. I find you adorable, and yet now it's time for me to trounce you. My comp for Ricky Henderson is the musical icon and brilliant frontman, Prince. They were born mere months apart in 1958, contemporaries in so many ways. In 1980, Ricky played his first season, stole 100 bases, made the all-star team, showcasing the mix of skills that would define his career. In 1980, Prince released Dirty Mind, showcasing the mix of skills and styles that would define his career. Prince, like Ricky, was the consummate frontman, the undisputed lead dog on any stage he was ever on. Thoroughly compelling, could not take your eyes off him. The swagger, the style, the snatch catch for Ricky was what the eye roll and the falsetto <laughs> was for Prince. In the prime of his career, Prince suddenly started making movies. Purple Rain, three others. Ricky started hitting home runs, 28 in 1986, while the song Kiss was reaching number one on the charts. Prince made music well into his 40s and beyond, putting out his 25th album in the year 2003. That's the year that Ricky played in his 25th and final season. And when Ricky broke Lou Brock's stolen bass record, you know he stood up and said, I am the greatest of all time. Prince famously said, I had a massive ego, massive, but that's not such a bad thing because at least you're aspiring to be something. You consider yourself great because you want to be great. Kindred spirits and perfect comps, Ricky Henderson and Prince. Oh, come on. I nailed it, people. You know I nailed it. How about, how about that, that, that moment there where we're talking about Ricky having his MVP season while this song was number one on the charts? I mean, does it listen to Kiss 
And imagine Ricky Henderson walking from the on-deck circle to the batter's box. And when we turn it up, imagine Ricky getting into that crouch and terrifying opposing pitchers. Turn it up, Sean. Just, just hear the swagger that you used to see coming off of Ricky. Nailed it. Please vote at Matt Spiegel 670 because last week Bonetti won. And nobody nobody likes a happy Bonetti. Really, it's just, it's just not preferable. He won when his Bartolo Colon comp of the McDonald's Shamrock Shake defeated my Bartolo Colon comp. Of the painter Pablo Picasso. Did I aim too high with Pablo Picasso? Maybe. Was it too condescending to get quality votes from people? Maybe. But Prince and Ricky, you know that's money. I'm told that today, this very day, is the birthday of Prince. You know who told me that just now? Our guy Chris Kampka who usually ties the room together like a nice area rug at 1140, but is listening, and I appreciate it. Today is the birthday of Prince. Come on now. That's just another incredible confluence of dates and times and characteristics that makes Prince the great comp for Ricky Henderson. There was, there was nobody as good as Ricky Henderson at leading off. It really is amazing. You know what always amazed me about Ricky? is like the last thing you wanted was that guy on base, right? It's the last thing you wanted because he's bound to steal a base and just wreak havoc and then score a run. He scored more runs than anybody in the history of the game. And yet when he retired, he had the most walks in MLB history. I think right now he's number two in walks in MLB history. Could you check that real quick, Sean? Why would you walk Ricky Henderson? Let him hit the ball. But his eye was just so good. And you were afraid that he could hit it very hard and very far. Or very hard and then get on. So you tried to make him swing at balls. But he didn't do that. Because he was really smart. But why would you walk him? Because pitching is hard, Spiegel. And because when Ricky would crouch, a la Pete Rose, he gave you an incredibly small strike zone. Because he was short to begin with, like Prince. Huh? Huh? And Ricky would crouch, and it was a tiny little strike zone that you were able to attack. So, yeah, Ricky's second all-time. There's four guys with uh, 2,000 uh, uh, walks in their career, and it's Ted Williams, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, and Ricky Henderson. How about it? Those are the four guys with more than 2,000 walks in their career. Ted Williams, widely thought of as the greatest hitter who ever lived, uh, the immortal Babe Ruth, the the greatness that was Barry Bonds, both pre-PEDs and post, and Ricky Henderson. That's it, with 2,000 walks. I'm going to say the active career leader. Do you have the full active run there on baseball reference right now? Is that what you're looking at, Sean? You can scroll down and see in bold the active players. Is Albert Pujols the active leader in walks? He is at 40th all-time with 1,322. Okay, 1,322. Not close to the 2,000, and he won't get there. Is Miguel Cabrera number two among active players in walks? He is not. He is third. Okay, so there's somebody between... Hmm. 
I'm thinking of a guy. Who, who is it? Joey Votto. Ah, of course. The great Joey Votto. Walking is good, people. It's as good as a hit, some people say. So there it is. Uh, I tweeted out the link at Matt Spiegel 670. Please vote for me. Please vote for me. Yours was better last week, and you nailed it today with Prince. Thank you very much. Today is Prince's birthday. Thank you, texters. Didn't know until Chris Kampka told us. He will join us next hour. J.J. Cooper from Baseball America will join us next hour. And at the top of this next hour, our colleague, my Saturday partner, Bruce Levine, will join us on Hit and Run right here on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 